Yes, sir. We are in the building. Second Axe is back, mm. and I am on deck. And um, without question, from the from the hot state of Louisiana, <laughs> New Orleans to be exact. New Orleans to be exact. <laughs> you know what I'm saying the dirty, dirty. You know what I'm saying what do they call it down there? Man, New Orleans, man. That's it, man. It's Chopper Lord. City. Yeah. Chopper, there you go. <laughs> Straight from Chopper City. You know saying one of his best and finest um Wall Street Trapper. What's good, brother? You know what I'm Glad to be here, man. All right, man, it's a privilege and an honor to have you, man. Beyond being super busy, but when I call you to say, yo, I need you to sit down because Second Acts is a podcast that's going inside, it's gonna to touch hundreds of thousands of people, mm -hmm. men and women. And then the other thing is, it's not just for people inside. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people who are at home, people who are in the street, who came home. And then there's people who ain't never been to jail. They're just trapped in their own mind and their own life. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's a bum job or addiction or whatever, that's going ahead. I mean, you about to touch lives. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're here for, man. You know, I just always try to use my purpose and what I've been through, man, just to touch people. I know I always say it's more us than them. So... Before we get to the Wall Street Trapper part, dig, dig. I want to hear the, you know saying, the yeah, first yeah, part yeah, of your yeah. journey, because as you say, journey. Yeah, so um, early, man, I saw my mom's get shot when I was nine. Like, I was probably like 100 yards away from that. Uh, she was, we were living in the 8 Ward in New Orleans. My mom was in the street. She was hustling. Um, and just some revenge things. Like, in New Orleans, we talking like 94, 93. This was like when New Orleans had the murder capital back to back to back. Right. Um, You're nine years old. Mm -hmm. You're standing outside in the park. No, nah, I was on the porch chilling. On the porch chilling. You yeah. watch your mom's out and just Late chilling. Late at night, yeah. She late. She, you know, maneuvering. She, she out there chilling. Yeah. And somebody comes through like, and shoots at her or she gets caught in the crossfire? No, nah, that was her. That was for her. That was for her. So my mom was like a gangster for real. Like, she was getting busy. Um, you know, again, fight her own demons, man. Right. Um, but you know, she was robbing, she was jacking, she was hustling, she was pimping, you know what I'm saying? So she was just getting busy. Um, and so that was my introduction to the game, like at a young age, like I saw it first. So what was that like living in that house? Um, so I actually didn't live with my mom's. My grandmother had me. Because she of was out how there. my mom was getting busy. Um, but I used to as a kid, like, you know, you don't really understand like safe havens when you're young. You just won't be where the action at. Like so mom's was like giving me everything I wanted. You know, like at this time it was like Felis and Adidas. You know, moms made sure I was good. She had the Nintendos over there. So, you know, it was she kind of let me do what I wanted to do over there. And I think for her, it was just like, I remember her saying it one time. She was like, if anybody going to introduce my boy to the streets, I'm going to show it to him. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I understood the mindset as I got older because that's all we knew. Right. That was the only thing around us. Right. So my grandmother kind of saw things different. She was an entrepreneur, but she was in the streets before because she did fair time. Right. You know what I'm saying? My grandmother did fair time. Um, so she kind of wanted something different, right? So she was like, nah, like you can't do that. So that was always a wall. Like, Between mom and yeah, daughter. Yeah, like she snatching me all the time. Like, nah, get that boy out of there. But mom was like, that's my boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he going to learn it, he going to learn it the right way. Like, I'm going to teach him how to maneuver. And um, after that happened, maybe like a year later, she got shot again. Okay, let's go back to the first. She gets shot. They yeah. put her in the ambulance, take yeah. her to the hospital. Yeah. She eventually come home. She come back. And you're like, okay. And we good. Did she, did she change her life? No, 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 no. She got busy. That was she got back in the streets. Like, so that situation had to be, you know, dealt with on whatever level. You know what right. I'm saying? So, you know, and it's like, okay, you know. So she's back out there hustling. She back doing her thing. Like, they ain't going to stop nothing. Like, it's, you know, in the streets is, and I, again, it's a mindset that I adapted. Like, once you get shot, it's. It's not a I quit. It's now I gotta show y'all y'all ain't making me quit. 
Like, right. I'm here. I'm doubling down. I'm a force. I'm a double down on it. You know what I'm saying? And that was her mindset. Like, yo, all right, cool. That's what we doing? All right, cool. We're going to double down. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, shit. So I, I'm watching moms go through that. So I'm like, okay, we don't run. We double down. Like, we just get busy. We get more active. So she you know got what shot saying? again. So the next time she got shot was three times. Was she in the same area? Same area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, she yeah. run on the same block. No, no, no. You don't, you don't go nowhere. You can't go nowhere. You can't go nowhere. So she gets shot in the same neighborhood mm -hmm. a year later. Mm -hmm. Maybe a couple years, like a year I mean, or two later. Yeah, in that same. Yep. So she got shot again. Back to the ambulance. Back to the ambulance. Back, back to, to the, the hospital. hospital. Come home. Did she change this time? No, 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 no. She get back Triple busy. down. Yeah, we ain't going nowhere. And then she wound up going to the jail. So her door got kicked in. Um, so she got caught with like nine, nine ounces. Um, where they kicked the door and she just kept it solid. You know what I'm saying? So she did like a four-year stretch, four, five-year stretch. So now I'm like on the streets, but I live with my grandmother for a while. Like what I got to ask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's that? No, no, no. I never met dude. Crazy story, though. Uh, 2018, my mom's called me, and she was like, yo, your daddy want to see you. I'm like, my dad? I, did, I got a two-year-old at this point, right? Right. I'm like, nah, yo, like, I don't need to see him. So she was like, yeah, he on his deathbed. Yo, he want to see you before he died. And I was like, he, he got to die then. I was like, I don't want to live with that. Like, that's on him. He not about to, he about, he not about to make peace with God and his life on his deathbed, and I got to live with this. Right. I'm like, I don't, I'm 30, I was at this, I'm like 32, 33. I'm like, man, I've made every sacrifice I had to make for my child at this point in my life. I, I done gave up the streets. I done did everything. I don't understand how a man can't be there for his kid. Because cause I made every sacrifice. Like, I left Atlanta, got back to New Orleans, went to Lake Charles. I was traveling, working, so I can be close to my little one. So if I'm making the sacrifices, I don't, I ain't nothing you can tell me why you ain't never, you know what I'm saying, reach out to me. So I'm like, nah, he got he to gotta die with that. That's on him. And I ain't feel no kind of way about it. Like, she was like, you can't be like that. I'm like, shit, you can't tell me how to be. Right. Like, you don't know what I dealt with in my life. You know what I'm saying? When I was a little dude, yeah. my father took me one time. He didn't live with us. And we went to this field. And the kids were out there playing football. I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, I'm going to get to play football. You mm -hmm. see a bunch of kids. I'm going to I'm ready to jump out the car. I'm hyped. Right, I'm right, like right. a dog in the back seat bouncing. Right, 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 right. He comes back, get in the car. I'm like. We playing football? He's like, what are you talking about? I just can't even pick up something. And we left. Right. It's a kid. It happened. Boom. I've been disappointed. Right. He's gone. Fast forward. My son is five or he's six. Time for pop water football. The Raiders is the number one football team in Boston for generations. Right. I take my son to the same park where my father took me by accident. Right. But to play. He gets out the car. I introduce him to the coaches. They put him on the field. I'm the type of dad. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I parked the car. I'm sitting in the car. I'm mm -hmm. here for the whole practice. My son ain't doing nothing without me present. Facts. And I'm sitting in the car, then it hit me. This is the same park that my father brought me to. Mm. This is the same team that I wanted to, to try out for. for. Yeah. Then I said, and this is all he had to do? Facts. Was just, he didn't have to wait in the car. He just dropped me Because I'm watching most fathers drop their kids or mom, drop their kid and leave or kids walk. Right. I'm like, all he had to do right. was drop me off, right. get that dude $20, right. and it was over. I'm good. And I could have been an NFL linebacker. Facts. <laughs> and then the craziest part is I left about eight minutes from the park, so I could have literally walked to the park mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. All he had to do was drop me mm -hmm. off. I literally told my son after that first practice, 
get in the car, let's go. We never went back to that field. Mm -hmm. I signed him up for a different team because mm -hmm. I couldn't take the trauma mm -hmm. of sitting in that parking lot every day. Mm -hmm. That's I, heavy. I didn't. We is that why I switched teams? Don't worry about it. That's heavy. We switched teams. That's heavy. Because I couldn't sit in that parking lot That's every heavy. day. Yeah. Knowing that my father should have been sitting there for me. Yeah. I often tell my daughter, mama, that uh, I need my daughter more than she need me. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like she, like that's my purpose. That's what, yeah, that's that's it. Like that keep me like that makes me go hard in my business. It makes me go hard in investing because I I always want her to know that yo my daddy got me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yo I'm and and even that type of um, energy helps her walk through life more confident. Oh, she walks in. She walks in the room. Yeah. She like, yeah. my son know no fear. Yeah. She's like, yeah. he's like, I, I didn't see the toughest guy in America. Yeah. yeah. I ain't got nothing coming. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that was, you know. Um, How old is your daughter now? So, my she five, man. So, man, yeah, she just made five, man. That was, I cried, man, because I, uh, I was able to fly her and her parent, her mama, and they found, I flew them to Orlando. Um, we rented this huge mansion. And I got Mickey Mouse to come, Minnie Mouse to come. Okay. Yeah, like and you went was, all in. Yeah, I went all in, man. She was five. I'm like, I'm going all in. Like, and we had a private chef for six days, three meals a day. That it was for her, but for you, for it, her. Yeah, 100. percent And so I I travel with my daughter a lot, and what I did with that was I wanted her whole family to just experience. Like one of the things I enjoy doing is going back to where I know people won't get exposed to some things, and I let my success help them get exposed to certain things. So, so I got to ask you, you start out, I mean, mom shot twice yes. and go to the penitentiary. Yes. Anyone in those three is bad. Yes. It's enough to cripple somebody. Yes. So what is the mindset when you're 10, 12, 13, living in bandos? On, what's your mind? My mindset used to be, yours is 10. I used to watch my mom get beat. Right. So my thing is, if mom can be hit, anybody can be hit. Mm -hmm. When kids came at us, nobody helped us. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to protect myself. Mm -hmm. When my dad left, he quit, I can quit. So I, I can hit anybody, I'm going to dominate, mm -hmm. and I can quit. Mm -hmm. Was my mindset based on what mm -hmm. I experienced. What mm -hmm. was yours? Survival. I felt like nobody had me. So I got to get myself. So <clears throat> I felt like... And, and I'm not blaming my family. Yeah, it's just what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's just what it is. Like, I don't have no hard feelings. I love my family right now. And it's just survival. Like, I feel like I was all I had. So, all right, cool. Like, that's what it is. We ain't got time to cry about it. We ain't got time to be mad about it. We got to survive, yo. Like, there's only one or two things you're going to do. You're going to survive or you're going to lay down. For sure. Right? And I saw my mama getting busy. She ain't never lay down. All right, cool. That's what we doing then. And then everybody around me. So, you know, I was just learning from, like I said, just learning from the OGs. And some people may be like, they shouldn't have taught you that, but they only teach me what they know. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, they teach me what they know how to do. And I can say the OGs who raised me really gave me game. Like, don't do drugs. Like, that's the type of time they was on. Like, don't do drugs. You don't want, be, like, you You would rather be the drug dealer than the drug user. For sure. You would rather be the shooter than the one getting shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was, all right, cool. That's what it is then. Like They taught, they taught you the lesson. They lessons. taught me that, like, if, if you if you in the streets and you doing something, like, working people, all the limits. We have this thing about recidivism. Mm -hmm. People go to jail. Mm -hmm. They get out. They go back. Mm -hmm. So you went to the penitentiary. Mm -hmm. When you got out, did you go back? Yeah. Why? Back in the streets. Now, I didn't go back because I was fortunate.
to have enough money to fight the charges. But I mean, you caught you caught a new case. I caught two more new cases. But you went to the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. You learned whatever the the Department of Corrections, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, teaches people mm-hmm. in their in, in their correctional facilities. Mm-hmm. You came out after a dime. Mm-hmm. Why would you commit another crime if you had all that correction in your life? Because I ain't learned nothing in prison but how to be a better criminal. They ain't, I ain't, they ain't teach me nothing in prison. Like, they, there was a, no correction? No, 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 no. Actually, the only thing I did learn in prison, like, financially-wise, I got introduced to the stock market in prison. Okay. So, one like, I was early on, maybe like 19, um, this white guy saw me, man, and he was just like, I had just got in a fight with two of my homeboys. So I'm in a cell, they put me in a cell with the white guy, and he was, I don't know, it must have just like rubbed his spirit wrong. Probably was the first time he reminded ever any black people in his life. You know what I mean? I've had that happen. <laughs> and he told me something that was like, certain things like you remember, you'll never forget them. This is one of them. He was like, I'm in here for embezzlement, 2.8 million. I paid restitution to 800,000. I kept 2 million. I'm doing 18 months. He was like, Look, so I had a red band on. So a red band in New Orleans means violent crime, attempt murder, armed robbery, carjacking, kidnapping, something like that. So he says, you got a red band on. So it's a good chance you're facing somewhere between life, 99, or something like something. that. You're about to get smoked. You're about to, get, you're about to lay down. And I was facing zero to 99 on on robbery and up to, I think, 50 or something on the attempt murder charge. Right. So he was like, if you get convicted on any of that, the minimum you'll do is 10 years. He was like, how old are you? At that time, I had just made 17. He was like, bro, like, nothing you did was worth giving him that much of your time. He was like, how much money you got from it? I ain't had nothing near $2 million. Nothing near $2 million. I probably couldn't even spell $2 million. <laughs> we know that was a term. <laughs> we know that was a term. Yeah. <laughs> what? We talk about yeah. going to the club and showing out, That's but no one we think about $2 million. Nah, so I was like. So I'm like, man, you ain't no two million dollars. So he sh- and so this time it's like 1999. So this is before social media, right? So he, sh- you know, one thing dudes do in prison all the time they, cases. they keep their cases and they keep their pictures. So he shows me the case. So I'm looking at it, and he had a red and white band, so that let me know he in the feds. So he waiting to get shipped, and then he started showing me pictures of like him um, traveling with his family, boats, yachts. I'm like, damn, this. That's some stuff I see on TV. Right. And then one of the things that stuck out to me was, I always say this, is he was sitting outside in like a, a pond, and it had steam coming from it, and it had mountains behind it. And I later found out that was um, the Blue Lagoon in Iceland. And I always said, I want to go there. And he was like, yo, like, while you're doing that 10 years, I'll be there. I'll be here. I'll even do this again if I wanted to, and I can only get five years. And off that five, I'll only do three and a half you'll still be doing that 10. From the first case with no money. Yo, that like shook my spirit. Like he woke me up with that. You know what I'm saying? So he just told me some other things like um, stocks. If you want to learn how to build wealth, learn stocks, learn real estate, and start a business. And he said wealthy people stop trading time for money. They start making their money work for them. And they learn how to give ultimate value to people. Because the more value you give people, two things will happen. One, you'll make a lot of money. And two, the people who you give value to will always keep you wealthy. And not just in the money sense, but through their acts. They'll keep you out. They'll make you. And so that just like stuck with me. And so my whole 10-year bid, I just started learning, you know, about the stock market. But when it came to prison, 
man, prison ain't really teach me nothing. I was around a bunch of who, like I'm around a bunch of criminals who are analyzing their mistakes and saying this is how I be better at what I did to get in here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do crime better next I'm time. I'm gonna do it better next time. So I came home like I just at you know I'm still a sponge at that age, right? So and it's crazy because even in prison at that age, you'll hear people say stuff like, "Oh, I could do another ten years. That's easy." Yeah, yeah. I could do another. 15. I got another dime in me. I got another dime in me, and it's crazy because I adapted the dumb terminology. I'm like, yo, I'm 16. I go home 25. I can do another one. I could do another 10. Easy. Easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what prison teach you for sure to to not value your life or your time. So you came home. Mm-hmm. You got blessed with knowledge. You came home, mm-hmm. but you said you caught more cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm confused. You're 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 a highly intelligent individual. Facts. So how did you go from all that knowledge but no application? Environment. Environment was pivotal. I came home with the knowledge, but I went back to the same environment. And so now it's, it's, it's crazy the way it sounds, but being the most intelligent person in the hood don't get you nowhere. Yeah, it do. In well, prison with the rest of the people. Well, well, well. <laughs> yeah, right? And so You be the smartest dude on the bus. And, and high, like as I got older, I realized how foolish it was. You get out. Yeah. Beat both charges. Yes. The one you volunteered for being yes. a good soldier. Yes. And the one that you caught for this being still on the street. So yes. you finally activated the stocks. No. I started robbing. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't hustle no more. I can't. I'm too hot. My connect don't really want to rock me no more. Not because I'm not good or he think I'm a rat or nothing like that, but you hot. You hot. You hot. <laughs> you, you suspect You hot You know what I'm saying so, And even though I'm stand up Like my paperwork good You just hot right now Like they itching to hit you now Yeah So I'm like alright well Well we, we just gotta get it How we live then So we start robbing And then me and my homie We almost got killed And I was like alright Like we hit a couple licks Like we hit some bread And I was like alright This ain't it bro Like something gotta change I was a stick up kid It's a whole different business Yeah it's a whole different game Whole and different I was business getting, And I was Different like, mindset Yeah I was on it Like it, in that moment I was like yo it's whatever like I'm just, no, I'm just. No, you you was wide open, but you that yeah. wasn't your hustle. Nah, that wasn't my thing. So I was like, the the dope part about it was, the OGs when I was young had already put me. I had done this shit when I was young, right? So it was already in my brain. So that was my last resort. So all right, again, I gotta survive. You dig? So I'm like, all right, cool, that's it. And I know a lot of people might feel like, well, why you don't just go get a job? Well, job. At that time, I was like, this ain't it. Like working ain't it, but I got introduced was called iron working. So I was building stadiums. I started building stadiums and power plants. That's what saved my life, man. You got a construction job. Yep. So once I stopped, like once we made my problem was got killed, and I was like, yo, I'm good. Like I'm good. And he wound up dying from um, sickle cell. I was like, man, I'm good, bro. Like I'm done. And like my life, like something just happened to me, and I just went home. I never forget. I went home and I was like, all right, God, like. Man, what you want me to do, man? Like, all I know how to do is hustle, yo. Like, like, what you want me to do? Like, you keep showing me these signs. You keep letting me go. I'm not going to keep winning like this. I ain't got no rabbit foot or no leprechaun in my pocket. Like, what you want me to do? And something came to my head that said, you playing the wrong game. Oh, boy. It just hit me like a ton. I was like, oh, snap. All right. In 2013, 2014, I just started taking it serious. Like, all right. Let me go. Let me just get back on it. So I started reading. I started, you know, looking at CNBC again. I started like looking at all everything I could about investing, so I can like respark my mind again to it. And then I made a kind of decision. So I was blessed again. 
I was making a thousand, two thousand dollars a week doing iron work, but I was working 50, 60 hours a week. I started saving 60, 70 percent of my money. Like, all right, this is what we gonna do then. You know, not trying to teach nobody or nothing, just all right, let me just start investing my money then. Let me start investing my money then. Let me start investing my money then. And then it just hit me different. Like, like, damn, like I could really do this. Like, yo, all right, like this is what it is. And so it started making sense to me, like telling my homies in the street, like, yo, like. Yo, we, we got Apple phones, but we don't own that. Like, we can own a stock in Apple, yo. Like, we can. And so, you know, they wasn't really they feeling it. They weren't hearing it. it. Like, bro, we were Timberlands and Dickies all the time, bro. Like, it's a company called VFC Corp. They own Timberlands. They own Dickies. They own Vans. They all own the shit. We wear every day, all day. Like, we can own it. Like, we wear Fendi, Louis Vuitton, Gucci all the time. We Y'all drink Hennessy all the time. All that's on the stock market, bro. Like, we can own that. And so, you know, like, in the hood, you like, you're a weirdo right now. What are you talking about? You're a weirdo. Like, like bro, what, what the hell you talking about? Dude flipped out. He done, he done, here come. Here he, come the bullshit. He, come the bull, he done flipped. He tripping. You hear me? Like, so I'm like, nah, yo. Like, and so now every time they would see me, that was the conversation. You know, and in my mind, if I can just show you something else to do with your money. So I remember the, the most dangerous conversation I had with my homies that really helped them get it was like, yo, check this out. If you go to prison, which is going to happen. Sooner or later. When you come home, you don't got nothing. So what if you took the money that you invested in, the money you was spending, put it in the stock market? It'll be there when you get back. It'll be there when you get back times two. And then immediately it was like, damn, that makes sense. Because if I'm leaving in the house, my girl going to spend it, my mom going to spend it. We done it. all been there. Somebody going to spend it. You done all been gonna, there. Somebody going to Jamaica. Somebody gone. You Somebody taking trips. You did. My sister went to Jamaica with my money a you few times. Me. Shout out to my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, 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 you. That was a that was that aha moment. And, and it then, made sense to them. It made sense. Like, and that's the thing. Like, you gotta make it make sense. You gotta make the game winnable. Nobody's made the game winnable for us. And so I was like, all right. And so another conversation I had was, yo, like, we don't even got life insurance, bro. But check this out. If you put your money in the stock market and you make your kids the beneficiary. You now give them something. At least you've given them something. Right. If you go do a bid and you can't come home, at least you've given them something. And like that started making it make sense to everybody I knew. Cause now that was a tangible situation. Speaking in their vernacular. You feel me? It was like, damn. I can that see makes that. I can see that. I know when my dad was in jail, we were struggling. Right. Now you're talking about when I go to jail, right. my kids ain't gotta struggle. They ain't gotta struggle. There was this part of the life that your kids struggle yeah. when you win. You just you you do, you do for them while you're here. The best, you know, you got to make it while you're gone. And after you're gone, because inevitably you know that's the reality. All day. Like, that's what it is. You just wait your turn. You know what I'm saying? So, like, those two conversations I had with my homies, like, that let it sink in for them. And I didn't have kids at the time, but that made it sink in for me even more so because I started saying, yo, like, I need white folks rich off this. God they right. damn, they rich off this. Like, I would see, you know, Warren Buffett them on. Like, how they making all this money like this, man? Like, because in my mind, I used to think you can't get money if you ain't doing something illegal. For sure. So that was the game changer for me. So when you started over, mm-hmm. you finally hit it. You're doing the iron work. You're legit. Mm-hmm. You got a plan. Mm-hmm. And the strongest thing, you're teaching the homies mm-hmm. how to come out of it, mm-hmm. which ain't easy conversations. Hell no. Have those. Hell yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you damn near got to fight. Yeah. You gotta you gotta be able to yeah, fight that too. Yeah, yeah. You gotta fight that because they gonna, they gonna be like, test you. They, they gonna won't like, you really own it or not. Yeah, they gonna be like, yeah. man, don't make me punch you in the mouth. Yeah. Man, get that shit about it. Yeah, get it about my <laughs> face, man. Yeah. But 
Now you start it over. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the dude who's sitting in the cell. Mm -hmm. And he just got a fight with his homies. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give him? Mm. Whew, that's heavy. That's heavy. Uh, be patient. Be patient. One of the things that I have learned that benefited me most in life was be patient. Because what happens is we're often only taught to look at today. So every move that we make is based on what we'll get today. Not understanding that tomorrow is coming. It's coming. And so if you don't prepare for tomorrow, today, when tomorrow get here, you're still in survival mode. One of the things that helped me was learning how to read. And what do you mean learning how to read? Learning how to read. You um, didn't read well when you went in? It was, it's a difference between just saying words on a paper and learning how to read. Comprehension versus yeah, 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 reciting. Yeah. So what happened to me in prison that really, and this, this, after, the, this after dude gone, right? This me, because what happens is after I get exposed to I still got to now start taking action. One of the things that helped me in prison the most was being able to sit my tail still and read. Reading opened me up to something that was so different and I wasn't used to. Reading painted a picture of what I felt like life could be. What did it cost you to learn how to read and sit still? Uh, There's a price to everything. Yeah. What so, was the cost to learn how to read and sit still? Um, a few things happened. But I and here's the thing about that cost. <laughs> like you said, nothing is free, right? Everything comes with a price, especially in the hood or the penitentiary. What I will say is it did it saved me more than it cost me. What did it save you from? A lot of bullshit. So in prison you get it's easy getting bullshit. Like I've been stabbed in prison and everything. <clears throat> stabbed in my back and stabbed in my arm. Got hit in the face with a lock. That's why my teeth pushed back at the bottom. Got a cut in my eye, had to get fourteen stitches. What happened was, it's easy to get into shit in prison. A little bit. Right? Because you never know what the next man got going on. Everybody got living on Everybody, cycle status. That's a fact. So what happens is, if my homie won't get into some shit, just because he my homie, I'm going to get into that shit with him. And I don't even got to know the motive behind what he getting into. it. Motive is he went. You he won't. I'm gone. I'm going to ask you about it while we in the hole. Yeah. What, what was that about? What was that about, fam? Oh, man. Yeah, man. I, got a, I had a bad day, man. I got a letter that. What? Man, we just got added 18 months of my time because of that? Yeah. Okay, we here. Let's go. What happened with reading was, and this was real talk, I ain't gonna break what I was, like, I ain't gonna get into the shit. Like, once I started reading, I was like, and I, re I remember uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one of the books I got into early. And he told me something in that book where he said, savers are losers. Savers are losers. Money into the mattress is for suckers. And I was like, what is he talking Like, brown paper bag money, yo. What you talking about? Duffel bag money. And he went to talking about, like, how the game is played. And he went to talk. And, again, that registered with me again. And another book about um, it was uh, how the poor is a disadvantage. He went to saying stuff like that. He went to speaking poor and wealthy. And these were words that I only associated with poor. I never associated with wealthy. And so reading them books, it wasn't a book that taught me about wealth. It was a book that shifted my mind. But them financial literacy books changed, like, the trajectory of how I started seeing money and how I started thinking. So 
How are you doing now? So, okay, you came home. Mm-hmm. You did the iron work. Mm-hmm. I'm saying we, we, I know the Wall Street Trapper brand. The world knows Fact. it. Fact. I'm saying, I'm saying the trap is in the building. You did. So what would you say your financial status is now? You're saying. What do you mean? Without getting the, we don't want the hyenas hunting you down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the Bentley truck outside? Nah, we Uber today. That's how humble I keep it. You just no, you just close to the building. Stop. I Uber, man. You, you Uber for humble, or I you Uber because you was close on the humble. Okay. I keep myself humble. I remember when I saw I saw you with your machine with the Bentley truck. Yeah, I got the twenty twenty one Bentley truck. You I keep was, saying it, God yeah, damn. Yeah, bro. you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, listen, I about to pull my car out and go get. Let me go ride out with yeah, trapping. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, yeah. The, nah, was, I keep myself humble, man. Like I'll go by my green honestly on the sofa still. I never forget where I came from. Like, no matter how much success I get, man, I still don't do a lot of things that people do. And I don't have nothing against nobody else. I just know that I still got too many people I got to save. And for me, you only one post or whatever away from becoming dinner. Right. Oh, for sure. Right? You only, that's it. Like, because people still starving out here. So for me, I'm always in a place where I want to help those who still starving. So now... I can. I don't know. People say ain't no honor amongst these, but yes, there is. There is. Yo. Oh, yes, there is. Like people know who came back and like put them on game, who For helped sure. them, who turned their mindset around. So that's that's all. Some people my can thing. come through. Some people need to stay away. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying, but you said there are people I have to save. Mm-hmm. Who are those people, and what is saving them look like? So the uh, uh, they're the people that come from where I come from, like the the dude who's still on the block. Who are don't you think, only doing New Orleans? I'm everywhere. But let me say, but. People thinking, oh, you said New Orleans. Nah, so you said people where I come from. Yeah, no, so, so what, I, you have so, to define where so I come from. So when I mean from. where I come from, I mean who come from the hood, who come from the streets, who America always talk over but make the most money off, right? And when I say make the most money off, I mean they making money off us being consumers. They making money off us being in prison. They making money off us being on welfare. They making money off every which way. So I still want to go back and show the people where I come from, not just New Orleans and any hood, because the language and the struggle is the same in every hood. Right. Right? I want to show them, yo, you don't got to depend on the government. Let me show you how investing can change your life. Let me show you how ownership is the most powerful tool you can have. Let me show you how to own your 24 hours. Right? Because here's the thing. Money is leverage. Time is the real power. We use money to buy time. We use time to make more money so we can buy more time. So I know you be like, hold up, Trap, say that shit again? Say it again. So what happens is we often talk to work for money. The only way we can make money is by selling our time. So now they make us say, yo, my time is worth this much. My time is worth eight hours, eight dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty-four dollars. When I was in prison, my time was worth four, you know what I'm saying, twenty-five cent. Right. right? So what happens is the one argument, the one complaint that the average person in the world has, I ain't got enough time. Dre, Trap, I need you. Damn, Dre, man, I, I, ain't, got no I ain't got enough time right now. I'm going to get you back. Man, the average, I'm rushing. Why are you rushing to work? Because I got up late. Why you got up late? I overslept. Why you overslept? I was tired. I ain't got enough time. You got to bring your kid to school. You got to bring your kid to nursery, but you rushing. Why? You ain't got enough time. You got to leave vacation early. Why? You ain't got enough time because you won't go back to work to make more money. So you essentially we've taught to sell our time. Correct. Right? So what, I want, what I'm teaching people how to do is let's buy back our time. So we buy back our time with each investment we make because as long as the investment is making money for us, that's something we don't have to work for. Mindset. Feel me? Mindset. 
I remember buying 200 shares of AT&T and four times a year, that AT&T stock from them dividends would pay my AT&T phone bill. So now that's four times a year that I don't have to worry about paying a phone bill. So now I can take that phone bill money that I was going to spend on a phone bill and put that in another investment and make that investment now pay my light bill. So now four times a year, that's eight different bills I don't have to pay. Those investments paid that for me. So now I can take that money from them eight bills and put it in another investment that can now buy back some more of my time. Pay your rent. For long, you ain't got to leave the house. Essentially, so the goal like now it. is to have your own 24 hours. So if I can own my whole 24 hours, I can now learn how to live instead of exist. And survival's out the window. Once I start learning how to survive, I can start playing offense in life. If I can start playing offense in life, I can start achieving all kind of shit. We play defense so much, like we always letting life attack us. We always letting life punch us in the face. We always letting life dictate how we spend our money. So now we search for the moments to have this gratification for, you know what, I might be in debt, but let me go buy these $600 shoes that make me feel good because all I'm doing is working. Right. All right, cool, they feel good on my feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go take this trip that I really can't afford, but I need something to make me feel alive because all I'm doing is working. I got a question for you. Talk to me. When I came home from prison, mm -hmm. started programs. Mm -hmm. I went from prison, mm -hmm. parole office, youth center. Mm -hmm. 90 minutes after I got out, I did my first group, mm -hmm. young black boys, and told them they going to jail not because they black, not because they smoke weed, but somebody let them down and hurt their feelings, mm. and they act out at 9 and 10, and it's cute. 13 and 14 is criminal. Mm -hmm. It's your un untapped and unhealed trauma. Mm -hmm. Then I started working with the girls. They said, Dre, come talk to the girls. Let me talk to the girls. So I started going to the girls' units. Molestation, mm -hmm. domestic violence, drama, fatherlessness, mom's boyfriend pushing up on him, mm -hmm. and mom choosing him, the whole drive. So now I'm teaching young girls, black mm -hmm. girls, how to be. And for the first three years, dude, listen, I'm a, I am own the city of Boston. I mm -hmm. got every award. I'm in the White House. I'm in Congress. I'm with Janet Reno. I'm with George Duck. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm there. I got you name it, the mayor calling me on a regular, yo, I know everybody in the city, everybody know me. Ted Kennedy gave me $2.5 million. Ten months after I walked out of jail, I said, yo, you that dude. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, cool. So I sat down with a lady. She did an assessment of my program. She said, Andre, um, you're really good. I said, no, I'm the best in the city. Let's get this right. You know, I, I, I am the thing that Cure Violence built this program off of. I, am the th I created Violence Interrupters. I created Ex-Offenders-Led Movement. I was at the table for White House policy, faith-based editions. I'm like, oh, I'm that dude. And I work all day. 20 hours a day. And she said, well, you're denying kids. Mm. How would you feel if I told you you were denying kids? Nah, that's going to make you change everything. But right now you're denying kids. You, Wall Street. You think? You are, oh, yeah, 100%. You, same conversation. How? Somebody else sitting in the seat. How? You're denying kids because the kids are white and their parents want to pay you. Mm. <laughs> but, but, but. They no but buts. Nah, let me say this. <laughs> let me say this. Let me say this. So in my program right now, there's always a rebuttal to this, right? I'm listening. In my program right now, parents who have kids, I now have 10, 11, and 12-year-olds who break down stocks. Right. So I'm not denying. Are you actively marketing to? Okay. I see the point here. No, I didn't hear the answer. No, I'm not actively marketing to kids right No, no, now. no, no. Right. To, no, no, not kids. Right. 
I was sitting in that seat mm-hmm. in 2003. Mm. And the lady said to me, you're, you're denying, denying kids. kids because they're white and their parents want to pay you. And I said, white kids ain't got no problems. This is a country. Not about to say that. Yeah, I about to say <laughs> that. Like, that was my, my response. Name, I, I was about to say that. I'm like, like I can show you problem. struggle. Right. I can show you people on the block doing all kinds of stuff, struggling and surviving. Mm-hmm. Then I went to a white school. You know what I saw? Same thing. They, got, they do drugs at the white school. Same thing. They drink at the white school. Same thing. They got bullies at the white mm-hmm. school. And I just went down the list. And I mm-hmm. was like, well, this is why I said, because I'm stuck on I'm right, they're wrong. I said, right. well, y'all got dads. Right. You know what they told me? You mean the guy that sleeps upstairs? Yep. That ain't my dad. He don't come to none of my games. Mm-hmm. He don't know none of my friends. Mm-hmm. He's away on trips like three or four weeks out of the month. Mm-hmm. And he's always on his cell phone. He never talks to us. Mm-hmm. We call him the guy that sleeps upstairs. Mm-hmm. I was like, they ain't even got dads. Right. They just, they're struggling in a nicer building. Mm. Instead of going to the liquor store, they go to the liquor cabinet. Mm. Instead of going to the drug spot, they go to the, to the, to the medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Easy access. So when I walked out of that nah, school, I said, never again will I deny people based on my ignorance. That's facts. And I can't I can't argue with that um, at all. Is this a thought? Nah, that's that's real talk. I think, but I, and it's not to justify it. I think for me, it was just, I'm, I was only teaching to what I related to. Exactly. You know what you, I'm saying? You teach like, girls? Yeah. You relate to girls? Yeah. You did, you're a boy. Yeah, but I grew up in a house full of women. So. I, I heard that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, used I, get to, it. I used to think I, get it. I couldn't teach yeah. other cultures and I feel because. Like yeah, I feel like that. Until somebody challenged me to go try it. So try it. Then I went, and yeah. know what I found out? They relate to. Trauma is trauma. Trauma is trauma. I actually have some white men in my program. And they rock on me hard. Like every time we do a live, they got the stuff on. I, they be like, Trap, we in. rocking. We rocking, Trap. And I, I rock with them the you long way. You know why? Way. Yeah. They suffered too. And this yeah. is the thing about being it's white and suffering in America. Nobody wants to hear you. Mm. You don't have us. You can't be white in America and sit up on a mm. soapbox and talk about how suffering you're, you're doing and how bad it is. That's why poor white folks got a problem with the term white privilege. Mm. They take it to mean that they weren't poor and they weren't hungry. They don't understand this being white gives you a benefit. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You say white privilege to poor white folks? I, I grew up in a trailer park. <laughs> we mean white privilege. Right. I was struggling and my mama this, we was in a, I'm like, they don't understand white privilege is we're presenting it. Mm. They're like, nah, I was poorer than you. Mm. <laughs> the best thing somebody can ever do is find something to go all in on and two, move away from their hometown. Because what happens is, when you move away from your hometown, you now get out of your comfort zone. You can't depend on, well, I know I can go holler at Dre. He going to give me he got my Like, back. you all on you. That was one of the things that helped me so much in my journey. I got away from New Orleans. I moved to Atlanta. 2015, after I got found out guilty, I'm all I got. You're going to figure it out. It's win or win. There is no plan B. So I'm going to burn a bridge. You just said my circle. So you built a new circle or you got mm-hmm. the old homies with you? Nah, 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 nah. So what happened was I had to introduce myself to new people so I could introduce myself to new ideas. New people present new ideas that start making you think other things are possible. Right? I met a homie who showed me he made a million dollars in a month. So now I'll say I, can learn, I need to learn how to make a million dollars in a month. Right? Before it was like, you want to get a million. And then you meet now somebody. Now it's a million in 30 days. So now you meet somebody who say, well, I did a million. I could do a million every 30 days. Whoa. Let me learn that skill. How I do that? You can't get that to the homies in the hood because all they, the only way they know how to get a million, if we they know how to get a million. It. We can't say that. Be facts. <laughs> if- My goal 
it, it all lines up with yours and anybody else that comes through here is we want to help people be better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's the baseline. And men, women, older folks, younger folks, people struggling, mm-hmm. and people who have but are struggling, you're saying mentally. Mm-hmm. We want to see everybody do better. And that's one of my goals is to help people think broader. I don't need you to rush out and go save suburbia. Right. But just have the concept of everybody. Because mm-hmm. the, the broader you go, the broader you are. That's a fact. You're saying So in closing, I'm going to die one day. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been told. Somehow, some way, I exit this planet. And I came to understand that because when my grandmother passed, she planned her own funeral. She had cancer. They told her she can have operation. She was like, I'm good. My kids are good. It's been a great life. I'm 85. I'm not doing all these extra surgeries, and I can't do I can't live how I want to live. Mm-hmm. She likes to smoke and drink. They told her she couldn't smoke no more. She's like, this is a wrap. I've been smoking for 100 years. <laughs> so she planned her own funeral from the service. She had the pastor come by. She talked to dude who put the dirt on the ground, everything. It was just a lesson. So now I'm like, okay, Nana, I got the lesson. So I'm going to go. I'm planning mine. I'm being mm. intentionable about my transition. There's going to be a gravestone in, in the yard someplace, a plaque. And I'm saying what's going to go on it. My kid or my friends aren't going to determine my eternal words. Mm-hmm. So right now, on the bottom of my gravestone, it's going to say, Henry Norman, 1967 to 2000 and whatever, whatever, whatever. It's going to say, Harvard Fellow, because I did that. Mm-hmm. It's going to say, Honorable Son. And I'm working on my next thing. I'm saying I'm trying to say eradicate slavery in the form of mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. So, what are going to be the things that you want etched on yours? Never thought know. of it. Nah, I don't know. One is because I got tired of thinking about debt. Okay. Right. I got tired of thinking about debt in my life, so I never really, you know, I know I got a, you know, I got a will. We got a trust put together, but I never thought about the headstone part. Maybe it'd be something I think about, yeah. right? But I never, like, I thought about debt for so long, all I oh, think yeah. about is living. I, I think, like, Barack's going to say, first black president. First black president. <laughs> That's all. I mean, yeah. I don't think yeah. he gave a whole bunch of thought. Yeah. He's not sitting around having meetings about that. Right, 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 Mike, I mean, Van Holyfield, three-time champ. Right. Muhammad Ali, the greatest. I don't know. That's all, Muhammad Ali just seems to say the greatest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, it's not like we're sitting yeah. around like, yeah. with a bunch of, like, yeah. You know what I'm saying scribes trying to yeah. go deep. I mean, I didn't sit up. It's just culture shifter. Culture shifter. So I, I want you to ponder and like go yeah. deep on the culture depth shifter. You, you get, I, I feel like what I'm teaching and what I'm educating is like every day I get it. Like every day I see people just like trap, man. You changed my life, man. Trap. I'm about to get up the streets because of you. Trap, man. Lifesaver. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's more than that. It's it's. Even though saving somebody's life is it, but when you what happens when you save a whole family? Got you. You feel me? Like if I save one man's life, that's good. But what me saving his life? Did I now change his kid's life? Did I now change his kid's kid's life? Right. So you shifted a whole family. You shifted a whole dynamic. You know what I'm saying? You can so, do that. Yeah, of course, man. How does like, it feel to be able to do that? Man, that's 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 worth more than money. Could you see that? Nah, back when you was I ain't see it two years ago. You didn't see that? Nah, man. God still, that's why I say, like, God still, un, he still peeling my onion back, man. So, if I can go get that nine-year-old boy yeah. who was sitting on the porch mm-hmm. when his mom got shot mm. 
And how could you explain to him mm. who you're going to be now? Mm. Man, I don't even know, man. I often he, think about that. He's sitting there lost. Yeah, like, he don't know. He he on the ground. He ain't even on the porch. Yeah. He on the ground because he, he, he heard ducking. shots. He no protocol. He ducking. So mom on the ground, he mm -hmm. on the ground, and you're trying to tell him that 30 years from now, mm. you're going to be a culture shifter. You're mm. going to break generational curses and change dynamics of families for, for centuries to come. Yeah. How do you explain that to him? Mr. Motivational Speaker. I'm not. That's the thing. Well, this is your time to practice. I think I would just tell him, like, greatness is ahead of you. I would just tell him greatness is ahead of you. Don't fear nothing that you're about to face. Don't fear it. Walk into it. Because here's the thing. Every mistake I made was a less. I needed them. Like, people ask me all then, would you still shoot that dude? I'll be like, hell yeah. Because I needed that to get me here. I needed it. Would you still be homeless? How I needed that. Every mistake I made on a journey, it cost me. But what it gave me, I wouldn't be here without it. When I, I saw my mama OD before. Yeah, so like I would tell him, like, don't fear it. Like, what you got, you got greatness ahead of you. Don't fear it. Don't be scared of nothing. Be fearless in your approach to life. And I know that may sound like, like, yo, like you got to give, sometimes it, we, if we keep it simple, like, yo, don't fear it. Because I went through, I went through a lot of shit scared. I was homeless 13 years old. I was petrified. When I went to prison at 16, I was petrified. I ain't never been in no, when I've been in my first shootout, petrified. When I got shot, petrified. When I got stabbed, petrified. What about when you turn when 80 people lined up to see you and eight of them crying? I was scared. Because in my what mind, scared of? I was like, yo, they really talking to me. Like they, they saying, I changed their life. All I'm doing is telling my story. I'm telling you about the lessons that I learned on my journey and, and it's impacting you in this way. You know how hard it is to get a grown man to cry? Yeah. <laughs> I actually do it for a living You feel me So <laughs> I for you. me I would tell that Younger version of me Like yo like Be fearless Don't be scared of it Like In everything that's Supposed to happen is gonna ha And that's me Having hindsight Right That's me having hindsight That's me looking back Saying damn I remember sleeping In that car being scared Cause I didn't know Where the next meal Was gonna come from That's me sleeping In the crack house scared Cause I don't know If they're gonna Take the shoes off my feet I don't know What's about to go on in here that's me walking into prison like, yo, this is real. Yeah. It's a grown-ass man sitting across. I'm sleeping in a cell with four grown-ass men, petrified, and still just having to, like, man up through that. Like, yo, this, so, so, that's, this so part of the game. It, was it man up or was it grace? A little bit of both. A little bit of both because even with God's grace, you still got to stand there. You still got to go through it. <laughs> God, God has special rooms you in Angola. Still, yeah, you still got to go through it. So I would, I would tell him that, man. Like, you know, it ain't nothing scientific. It ain't nothing. I would just tell him that. And, you know, I'm not the motivational speaker. I just keep it 100. I would just say, man, just, man, be fearless and embrace all that shit. Embrace everything that's coming to you because on the back side of that, bro, you're going to be so phenomenal. And even at 38 right now, you, I'm just crashing the surface. Yeah, I'm 53. Yeah. So definitely. This room, this room. Definitely. You got a whole bunch more room. Definitely, definitely. So, bro, I want to thank you for coming out. Man, I appreciate you. And 
Secure Technologies, man, has put together this platform for us to reach back inside mm-hmm. and to reach out globally. Who, you know what I'm saying? To just create content mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Us is 2.2 million. Mm. Then the us is the 75 million of our relatives and loved ones. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And the us is the other 50 million people who are connected to us, man, via employment or just neighborhood who just there. Mm. So this is a 150 million person tribe. It's heavy. It's an honor for me to be here, man. I'm glad uh, you invited me, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming through, man. For sure. Second Acts is, is going to keep building, keep growing. And I keep telling them. Everybody that comes through this door is his own show. That's I'm just blessed that you started your show here. Appreciate you, King. Appreciate All you. Right. Peace. Yep.